Well, good morning. I want to welcome you to Element Church this morning. My name is Adam Young. I'm the lead pastor here. And we are continuing our study in James this morning. Now, um, I don't know if any of you have ever heard this phrase. My guess is that all of you have heard it at some point, maybe heard it more than you care to. Um, but this phrase that you get out what you put in. Now, if you played sports at all in middle school or high school, I'm positive that your coaches said that all the time. You get out what you put in. And it really is true in many aspects, especially in sports. Um, I'm currently uh, coaching a track team right now. It's something that I do every year. We're about to finish up uh, our season. As a matter of fact, this coming Saturday is our championship district meet. Um, I love coaching. And I say these kinds of things to my athletes all the time. Um, and, and just trying to get them to understand that uh, what you put in is what you're going to get out. Um, I'm really competitive, um, and I love coaching, partly because I'm too old now to like perform at all on my own. Um, I love coaching in a lot of different uh, aspects. I love coaching my kids' little league teams. And now, now, I'm not nearly as competitive there, right? Um, when they're seven, right, it's all about fundamentals and fun, but I still love to win. So I take that competitive nature and I bottle it up and I bury it deep down inside. And then when I coach track every year, I let it all come out. And I tell my athletes on day one of, of the first practice of the season, I'm like, hey, this isn't Little League, right? Little League, everyone gets equal playing time. This isn't Little League. Everyone will get to to participate at the level of work they put in and the level of skill that they demonstrate. But I tell our athletes, you're going to get out what you put in. And what I mean by that is you are going to perform on game day or at the track meet or whatever it is. You're going to perform just like you practice. And so if you goof off and practice and you don't take it seriously and you don't work hard, don't expect to do well when it really matters. It's also true in a lot of areas of life. Like gardening. I love gardening. Well, let me rephrase that. I love the idea of gardening. Um, I love spring when you're like thinking about it and you're planning it. You're mapping out like I'm a complete nerd because I will actually map it out. Uh, in my garden beds, where I'm going to plant everything, where I'm going to put it. And you get excited about all the produce that's going to come. And then that idea isn't as great in July when it's 100 degrees and you have to pull weeds. But right, as, as gardening, like whatever you put into the soil, that's what you're going to expect to get out. You would never plant whatever it is, carrot seeds, and expect to grow strawberries. You're going to get, what you, get out what you put in. It's true in business as well. Um, if you've ever read Atomic Habits uh, by James Clear, he says, you don't rise to the level of your greatest goals, you fall to the level of your systems, right? We all have ideas of what we want our lives to be, but in the end, what's going to determine where we go is what we put in from the beginning. What do we put in is going to determine what we get out, and that's a lot of what James is going to talk to us about this morning as we continue our journey in James. And we're going to wrap up chapter 1 this morning. And so what I want to do is I'm going to read verses 19 through 27 because that's what we're looking at today. I'm going to read through it all at once and then like we do every week, we'll then go back to the beginning at verse 19 and we'll just start walking through and breaking up the verses into sections and just looking 
more in-depth to see what James has to say for us. And so we'll start in James chapter 1, verse 19. He says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep one's self unstained from the world. So what I want to do is I want to go back and I want to start in verse 19. And together we'll take a journey where we'll just look at a few uh, different points that James makes along the way. And he starts off saying this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now, let's take a moment to just pause for a minute and think and reflect on this verse. We could spend our entire time today just right here. Some of you are thinking, please don't. But we could because every one of us needs to learn this lesson. Not one of us sitting in here this morning is innocent when it comes to this idea. Now, some of you naturally or through skill and discipline and practice are better at controlling your anger, at thinking through your words, at being slower to speak and quicker to hear. And some of you naturally are just weaker at this, but none of us in here are innocent. All of us have failed. So here's what I want you to do right now where you sit. I want you to think about the last moment when you spoke too soon. The last time where you should have listened instead of just waiting for your turn to speak. I want you to think about the last time that you allowed anger to drive what you said rather than love. Can you remember the last time? Some of you, it was on your way here. Or maybe it was yesterday. Or later this, earlier this week. Now as you think about the last time you did this, will you take a moment right now? Will you make the commitment that today, not tomorrow, today, that you will ask for forgiveness for the person with whom you lashed out in anger, spoke too soon just right now will you make that commitment that today before the sun sets you'll just own up to what you did and apologize now let's keep moving so we read verse 19 and what James is going to do is not going to he's just not going to leave us at what we should do or not do he's actually going to tell us why so know this my beloved brothers let every person be quick to hear slow to speak slow to anger for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. 
Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Last week, uh, as we had started our journey in James, we saw that in verse 4, that James set out what the goal for all of us as Christians is. The goal is to be like Christ. The goal is to model his perfection and his completion in our lives. Now, that is not a finish line that any of us get to cross in this life. But it is the goal for which we're, we're after. It is the journey that we are taking to become more and more like Christ, to be more and more complete and perfect in our relationship with the Lord in the way in which we reflect his goodness and his character. And James wants to tell us that the anger that's inside of us is never going to produce that righteousness. So here he sort of defines our goal as the righteousness of God. The anger within isn't actually going to produce what we're after. So what will? The implanted word. God's word planted inside of us. Last week, one of the things we also looked at was the difference between us and God. How we, as a part of our own brokenness and sinfulness, out of our sinful desires, we give birth to death and sin. But that God, out of his holiness, gives birth to us, to new life in us. Anger doesn't produce what we're after. It doesn't lead us towards the goal. The goal here being that righteousness of God, the character of God, perfectly modeled in the sinless God in the flesh, Jesus. But what does begin to produce that in us is the word that God implants in us. This idea of having the word of God implanted in us is part of why we challenged everyone in our church while we're in this series going through the book of James to, to regularly, daily read the book of James, whether you read the whole thing or just one chapter a day, whatever it may be, that you read the, the book of James with us and that you begin finding verses to memorize. To, to plant deep inside of your mind and your heart along the way. Now, some of you will say, I'm not good at memorizing things. Say, I'm older now. My mind doesn't work quite as sharply as it used to. I was never good at memorizing stuff when I was in school. Can I just say that's baloney? And I said baloney because it's the only word I can think of right now that I'm allowed to say right here. Okay? Listen. If you can order from Starbucks without having to look at the menu, if you know details and stats about your fantasy football team without having to Google it, if you can drive down the road and have no problem singing along to the music on Spotify, if you can recite the Pledge of Allegiance, then you can implant God's word into your mind, into your heart. If you really want to, you can memorize it. And we've challenged everyone in our church to, to read. And as you're reading, as certain verses stand out to you, to memorize them. It may be because you need that verse in this moment, or it may be because 
you really know that you're going to need that verse in a future season of life. Because what will produce in us the righteousness of God, what will lead us towards our goal, is the word implanted in our hearts and in our minds. Let's move on, move on to the next section. And James says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. The implanted word is not just about hearing and reading the word. It's about actually living it out. It's about allowing what's inside to begin working its way out. James here is trying to make a point. Because he wants all of us to recognize how important it is that we don't just read the word, but we allow it to affect who we are. And to illustrate this, James wants to use this word picture of someone looking at themselves in a mirror and the absurdity of what it would be like for them to look at themselves intently in a mirror, to turn around and to not even be able to identify themselves in a photograph. Not a photograph of 20 years ago, not a photograph of you in your prime, but a photograph of you right here and now. How crazy would it be, this idea that you could look at yourself in a mirror, turn around, and not even be able to identify yourself in a picture from today. Now, you may not like what you see in that picture from today, but you would certainly be able to identify yourself. How crazy would it be if someone really wasn't able to pick themselves out of a picture? I mean, it's kind of absurd. And James said it's is equally absurd for someone to look intently into God's word. For someone to give it serious consideration. For someone who knows what it is that they're looking at and reading. And to be able to turn around and it have no effect on the way they live their lives. The other reason that I love that James uses this analogy of a mirror. Is not only because it does serve as a good analogy for the point he's trying to make but also because it's a great analogy for what the Bible itself really is. Because here's the reality. You and I actually never really read the Bible. The Bible reads us. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 with me. Hebrews 4. For the word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. This is what makes the Bible different than any other book. I mean, aside from the obvious, that, that its creation was God-inspired, that the Holy Spirit inspired these words, but that when we read the Bible, it's actually reading us. 
that the Bible's able to cut through the facade that we put up before the rest of the world. What we want everyone else in the world to see and think about us, the Bible cuts right through it all. And when we read the Bible, we see two reflections. We see the reflection of who we really are. Not who we want to be, not who we show the world to try to make them think we are, who we really are. We see a reflection of who we really are. And in it, we see a reflection of Jesus himself. And it's in those two reflections that we see who we are and how we stack up to the righteousness, to the, to the character, to that perfection and completion of Jesus. And we see the areas where we fall short. We see where we don't measure up to who God created us to be, who he designed us to be, who he has called us to be. This is how God speaks to you. This is how the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Because when you read the Bible, you get to see these reflections because the Bible will cut through all of the masks that you wear. Your heart will be exposed. You get to see a picture of Jesus. And it's in that moment that God will speak to you. That he'll show you the areas where you fall short. He'll show you the things that you need to see. There, it's there that he will encourage you when you feel weak. Because it's not a surprise to God that you fail, that you don't measure up. And he's also promised to give us the power through the Holy Spirit to grow into the righteousness of God, to grow towards that goal that James mentioned earlier in chapter 1. And for James, he says, how in the world could you, you who believe the Bible to be God's word, you who have met and know the resurrected Jesus, how in the world could you read the Bible? Could you see the reflection of who you really are? Could you see the reflection of Jesus, the righteousness of God perfectly lived out in human form, how could you see it and then turn around, walk away, and it not affect you? How is that possible? It's as absurd as someone who looks at themselves in a, in a mirror and then couldn't even identify themselves in a photo. It just doesn't make sense. The implanted word as it's implanted into your mind, into your heart, begins to work itself out. Because James just assumes it's obvious and logical that when you see who you really are and you see who Jesus really is, that it will change who you are. Listen, I told you when we started this study, James does not care about your feelings. James will say it like it is. He'll push our buttons because of the radical transformation he experienced in his own life. Because he went from believing Jesus was just a regular guy to believing that he was God in the flesh. Because when he met Jesus resurrected, he, he stopped being just impressed by Jesus and became devoted to him. And he doesn't understand how someone could be straddling the fence, half in, half out. Let's move on to our final section. James 1, 
verses 26 and 27 as we close out this chapter. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. James is not politically correct. He does not care about your feelings. (laughs) This person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep one's self unstained from the world. Listen, religion is knowing all the right answers. But righteousness, this, this righteousness of God that we are called to, it's about living out truth in your life. Knowing all the right answers is worthless if it doesn't change how you live. Being able to read the Bible and have the whole darn thing memorized is worthless if it doesn't actually affect who you are. But what God honors are those who allow the word, the implanted word, to impact the way they live every day. When, when we look at God's word intently and we allow it to cut through the masks and cut through the facade, reveal who we really are, allow our minds and our hearts to be exposed, and then it changes us. Notice here this comparison that James puts into this section of the letter that we read today. This idea that he compares this filthiness versus being unstained. Filthiness is when we allow the anger from within to drive our actions. But being unstained is about the implanted word in us changing who we are. The anger from within makes us filthy. The word implanted in us, when it starts to work its way out of us, when what we put in starts to come out, It shows us and helps keep us unstained from the world. All of us are in the world, but we've been called out of it. Jesus, in one of his final prayers in John 17, as he was praying for his disciples right before he went to the cross, prayed, God, don't take them out of the world. Help them be lights within it. We're going to be in the world, but we're not to be of the world. And one of the things that marks us as different, as unique, as distinct from the world is the word of God when it takes root in our hearts and begins to change and transform us. So as we close, I have a question for you. What's planted in your heart? Is it anger? Is it chasing after things of this world? Or is God's word planted in your heart? Are you allowing God's word to take root inside of you? Because what you put in is what you're going to get out. And this moment is a moment of decision for you. Will you hide God's word in your mind and your heart? Will you let it take root in you? Will you let it begin to transform, not just how you see yourself, but the way in which you live every day of your life? Let's pray.
Jesus, we recognize that uh, all of us, if we're honest, um, we're filthy. We're sinful. We're broken. That sin has stained us. But we come before you because your grace and your mercy is more. That you, you cleanse us of our sins. Lord, that you wash us white as snow. That the crimson blood of Jesus makes us whole and clean. So Lord, we ask right now, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us in this moment? Whether it's a word of encouragement or a word of challenge that we need in this moment, would you speak to our hearts as we begin to reflect on who we really are in light of the reflection of the perfect Jesus? Jesus, in your righteousness, would you reveal to us who you've called us to be, who you've created us to be? Lord, we come before you to worship, to ask you to do a work in our hearts. Lord, would you just give us and help us with the discipline and the diligence to take your word, plant it deep into our hearts and deep into our minds. Lord, be honored by all the ways in which we respond to you in song and in prayer in this moment.